Welcome to the Kingsway Christian Fellowship Home Service. We hope that you'll be blessed as you listen to this audio sermon streamed live from Melbourne, Australia. Kingsway Christian Fellowship is a family Bible-based non-denominational church preaching Jesus Christ, based in Wonturner. Visit www.kingswaychristianfellowship.com. Now here's Pastor Gary Fitzgerald. Okay, well, praise the Lord and welcome to everybody who is uh, at home, I trust, or uh, wherever you are, but um, uh, we're persevering and we are enduring during this time. And as the days and weeks go on, I think we do look forward to the opportunity that will soon come in which we can physically meet together. As good as this is, uh, it's even better, amen, when we can come together and fellowship. Praise the Lord. And uh, hello to uh, Pastor Werner. I know he's listening. Uh, I'm sure the whole fellowship is praying and thinking of you. And uh, the Lord uh, willing, we will see your face on uh, Zoom shortly. Amen. All right. Well, I want to share the word of God this morning. And I want to bring a word that was uh, put into my heart as I was contemplating and praying about a message that I could share. And as I was thinking about various things and it uh, became a bit more specifically clear in my mind, what the Lord would have me uh, share with you this morning. And so uh, we're going to look at this and it's found in actually revelation, the book of revelation, chapter two and chapter three. Now I'm going to do something different. I'm going to read a number of texts as my text, which I'll get to in a moment. Um, But when we do that, we'll work through that specifically. But as you'll know, um, one of the things that's keenly discussed and uh, even debated amongst um, uh, Christian circles relates to the sovereignty of God and the responsibility of man. And so um, uh, in its various forms and as it applies to various aspects of the Christian life, uh, these things can be uh, debated and discussed. And the truth of the matter is, at the end of the day, there is uh, various truths that are associated with the sovereignty of God and with men's responsibility as we see it in the scriptures. And so what we want to look at this morning uh, will bear testimony to those two aspects. And so I want to make a highlight of those um, as we progress further in the message. But what is uh, important to understand is that the tension that exists between God's sovereignty and men's responsibility They don't contradict each other. When I say attention, I don't mean that they're fighting against each other, but the tension that holds here and there's a tension that holds there and and they complement, not contradict. And so all it is, it's a matter of us obviously understanding and defining these things so that we have a proper biblical um, uh, position and, and application of what the Lord would require of us as especially as it relates to our own responsibility before God. And so uh, I want to consider a term that we find in the book of revelation chapter two and chapter three, and it is the word overcome. 
to overcome. And more specifically, which is the title of my sermon this morning, to him who overcomes, to him who overcomes. And so what's interesting is in chapters two and chapters three of the book of the Revelation, on, uh, we know that the, the, in this section it addresses seven churches. And the, to those seven churches, God or Jesus having appeared, uh, he gives uh, seven different messages to seven churches. And so what is also important for us to note is that in each um, uh, address to each church, he gives a specific instruction. And those instructions are, are very much the same and they have various promises that are attached to them. But we're dealing specifically with the words to him who overcomes. And so, like I said, it's found seven times just in these two chapters. And as uh, Jesus addresses the churches, he makes emphasis of these things. Now, it's important to note that uh, the message that Jesus is bringing is clear. And I, uh, whether the church is uh, commended or whether it's being corrected or rebuked or whatever the situation, whether it's good or whether it's bad, the, the exhortation, the instruction and the message that Jesus gives to each church is exactly the same in terms of his uh, instruction and exhortation for them to overcome. So to be an overcomer or to overcome in Scripture is, uh, uh, to, is something that is of vital significance and importance to not only the church of Jesus Christ as such in the collective sense, but also to us as individuals and personally, regardless of any circumstances that, that we will face. And so I want to see that uh, and um, throughout the scriptures themselves. And I want to use the whole Bible here to establish this particular truth. Now, as I said to you before, um, the issue of the churches have a personal application. Obviously, Jesus is speaking to seven different churches. We also understand that these uh, messages to the seven churches relate to uh, over the course of the history of the church in which the church ages. We know it. It has, a uh, it has its relevance and a specific application to the church age, but also it has a personal application to us. And that's what we want to, to draw out. And so what is uh, also important I want to note is each time Jesus speaks uh, in relation to these words, to him who overcomes, it is accompanied by a promise. Now, our intention this morning is not to look at those promises specifically. We'll read them as we go through it, but I don't want to draw our attention to that uh, today. But at the same time, uh, we can't ignore that. It, it's, uh, so it's to him who overcomes, and here is the promise. But there's also another phrase that is used within this, this context, and uh, it's um, he who has an ears, uh, sorry, he who has an ear to hear. Let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And so we have to have an ear to hear. We have to take note of what it is that Jesus is speaking, what his instruction is, what his expectation is, and how it applies to you and to I. And so, uh, so there we have it, as I've said. And the, church, and the instruction is to all, whether the church is commended or corrected, good or bad, this, this instruction is to all of us. So. 
It applies century after century, age after age, and even in the day in which we live now, and to us individually, it has an application. So let's read, and I want to start with uh, Revelation chapter 2, and I want to look firstly at verse number 7. And then we're going to go to verse 11, but I'll note these as we go along. So we're going to read them one after the other. So let's start at verse 7. Jesus speaks and he says, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Go down to verse 11. Now Jesus is speaking to the second church at Smyrna. He says in verse 11, He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. So there's a second reference. Now we go to the church at Pergamos and we go down to verse uh, seven, uh, 17. It says, uh, again, Jesus says, He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna to eat and i will give him a white stone on and on that stone a, a new name written which no one knows except him who receives it and again we go down now to the church in thyatira and we look at verse number <clears throat> uh what is it uh, 26 and it says he who overcomes and keeps my works until the end to him I will give power over the nations. And then later in verse 29, you see the words, he who has ears to hear. Now let's go into chapter 3. Now this is now, we've, we've read 3, we're heading to the, um, uh, sorry, 4th, we're heading to the 5th, and it's the church of Sardis, and in verse number 5, Jesus says, He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments. And I will not blot out his name from the book of life, but I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. And he who has ears to hear. Now to the church in Philadelphia in verse number 12, Jesus says, He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. And he shall go out and he, so he shall go out no more. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven and from my God. And I will write on him my new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the spirit says to the churches. Now go down to verse 21 and it's the church of Laodicea and it's the last, the seventh church, the seventh time. And we find these words in verse 21 to him who overcomes. I will grant to sit with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear here, let him hear what the spirit says to the churches. Now, as we've just read each of those specific scriptures, the message is clear. The message is being repeated over. And the words we find are, uh, are exact in the sense that when it comes to the issue that we're looking at this morning, to him who overcomes. 
Now, clearly, there is an understanding that there is an expectation from Jesus to the believer to overcome. It's not just an option. It's not just something that uh, uh, you can almost basically call it a command. It's a command to be an overcomer. And so in, in, in noting that, we have to accept that there lies within that uh, uh, an emphasis on man's responsibility that is associated with this. The man has a responsibility in this process to be an overcomer. Now, as I said, there's a two, there are various tensions to this. There's the issue of God's grace and God's sovereignty, and we'll see that later. But we want to make the emphasis, and we want to look firstly at men's responsibility, because clearly it is being identified for us in the text, to him who overcomes. And so what's important is uh, in the book of Revelation, even, you find this theme of being an overcomer, which is a reoccurring theme. And so, again, I just want to highlight that because uh, though it has an application to the tribulation and to a time, a period of time that is to come in the near future, the principle that we identify is something that is everlasting and to all ages. And so if you go to Revelation chapter 12, in verse number 11, there's a familiar portion of scripture. And it says uh, uh, to the to the saints of, in that era, it says, and they overcame him. That is Satan. It's talking about the adversary. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb, by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to the death. And so again, there's this emphasis on that they overcame and how they overcame. In Revelation chapter 21, you can just flick across to there and you can read. And it's talking about the new heavens and the new earth in uh, chapter 21. And uh, who are those that will be there in the new heavens and in the new earth? Well, it tells us, look at verse 7. He who overcomes shall inherit all things and I will be his God and he shall be my son or in essence, my child. And so again, you see clearly the emphasis that is being put upon uh, the overcomer, that, that we are to overcome. And so it's in light of that that I want to exhort us this morning. I want to encourage us with this particular thought. Because in Scripture, when you look at the word to be an overcomer or the word overcome, that gives us an understanding of what's involved because it comes from a root word, which means to subdue, to ultimately to subdue, meaning the enemy or to prevail and so forth. But it means to conquer and to overcome and to prevail. But listen to this. It means this, to get the victory, to get the victory in, in the sense that <coughs> in some instances, it's not that the victory is automatic, but it's uh, in the midst of, uh, of a battle and in the midst of a struggle, in the midst of, of, of what one is uh, dealing with and the, the, the struggle that is involved in that, we gain an ascendancy, we overcome, we conquer, or when ultimately we gain or we get the victory. And so this is important as we consider the word overcomer this morning. See, the idea, it's not automatic. I mean, the Bible clearly teaches us. And you know, when it comes to the spiritual hosts uh, in the heavenlies, the Bible says we do not 
wrestle with flesh and blood, but against principalities and against powers of darkness and heavenly hosts of wickedness. And so we understand that these things are, are, are engaged in a battle and a spiritual war with the believer, with the child of God. And so we, in our journey, in our pilgrimage as Christians, we are struggling. It's a, it's a struggle. It's, we wrestle not. That is a wrestle. Uh, but, the, uh, but again, the point is, is in that wrestle, we are to gain that victory. But it's not just with the, 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 the spiritual hosts of wickedness in that sense. The Bible teaches us the world in which we live uh, is at enmity with God and all that is in the world. That's why we are exhorted in the scriptures not to love the world in, the way, in, in a manner that, is, uh, 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 that uh, compromises our love for God. And so the world and all that goes on in the world, we're experiencing some of those struggles now to the degree that we are in that, uh, in all that's going on in the world, we're finding that we're in a predicament in the situation that we face and, and uh, we're not immune from uh, feeling the effects of, of what's going on around us. And so the world has its trials. It has its struggles. And we do feel the pressures of things that go on in the world in various ways. But again, in the midst of that battle, we are to gain an ascendancy. We are to conquer. We are to be an overcomer. And so this, and then there's a third aspect that I want to highlight, and that is that relates to our flesh. There's a battle that lies there. For every believer, none of us are free from the presence of sin. We have in us the flesh, and the Bible teaches us clearly that there is a struggle. The flesh lusts against the spirit. The spirit lusts against the flesh. And that there is a battle that rages uh, within ourselves. And thank God that he's made provision for that. But the reality is, is that it exists. And the expectation is, is that we would overcome. Not in our own strength. We see in Book of Romans that God has made provision that we can have the victory and gain that ascendancy. But again, we have to deal with the issue of temptation. We have to deal with the fact that sin is in our members and it wants to dominate and it wants to dictate if we will allow it. And so these are the realities. And it's in this sphere that we can consider the issue of being an overcomer this morning. It's true. You don't have to go too far in the Christian pilgrimage to realize uh, what I'm talking about and some of the things that I've spoken of this morning. It is real. It's battles, it's struggles, and it's temptations. Yet, and I say yet, for all of this, what does the scripture tell us? And you can already know where I'm heading, but in Romans chapter 8, verse 37, we have the wonderful uh, promise from our Lord, in which it says, yet, yet, in all things, regardless of what it is that happens, and you can read the context of Romans 8 and see what it's talking about, but in, yet in all things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Now, again, it can't be clear, yet in all things, not as it doesn't say in some things. In other words, it doesn't matter what happens, what we are faced with, what we have to endure. And there are things going on in the world. We think dealing with the threat of the coronavirus is serious enough. There are people that are suffering and are persecuted for the name of Christ and people that are being martyred uh, all the time around us. And so when we look at the struggles of our brethren across the world, we realize that, uh, you know, again, 
We don't have it too bad at all. But yet, the Bible says, yet in all things, we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. And so what is uh, this word, more than conquerors? In the complete Jewish Bible, it actually uses the word, we are super conquerors. Not just conquerors, we are super conquerors. We are more than conquerors. And I like the way the Amplified captures the essence of what's being said here. When it says these words, it says, yet amid all things, we are more than conquerors and gain a surpassing victory through him who loved us. Now capture that. We gain a surpassing victory. And this is the point that I'm trying to make. We, we get the victory in the midst of the struggle. We don't want to sit here this morning and just pretend that we don't have these struggles, that we don't have various sufferings. That, um, we, and that's what a lot in the church world is, is operates in that way, that if you have problems, there's a problem with your faith. No, it's, it's in the midst of the problems that our faith is to be made manifest. But we gain the victory. We, uh, uh, we, we, we gain a surpassing victory. We're more than conquerors is what the Bible is telling us. And so, like I said, the modern church doesn't want to speak about these things. It, wanted to, it wants to talk about the church triumphant. It wants to talk about uh, the kingdom now and, and uh, being the head, not the tail, and all the, the, those things that are associated with victory. But yet in doing that, they miss one important component. It's that of suffering and the, the context in which that victory is gained. And so, again, we're going to see this in the scripture. And this is what I want to bring to your attention this morning. So let's look a little bit further at the scriptures and what it means to overcome. Because Jesus said in, uh, in, in Revelation chapter 3, verse 21, he says that we are to, to him who overcomes. And, he says, and then he says these words as I overcame. And so first and foremost, we look at our, the captain of our salvation. We look at Jesus himself. And we have to understand the fact that he was the son of God. Yes, but he was the son of man. He was 100% God, 100% man. And the Bible is clear when it tells us that he learned obedience by the things in which he suffered. Hebrews tells us that he became qualified for his as high priest as a result of identifying with our weaknesses being tempted in all things as we are yet without sin thank god for that but the point is is that jesus himself knew suffering he knew weakness he knew temptation and the Bible says that he conquered, and not only that, at the cross, uh, even when it looked as though that he was uh, losing the battle on the cross to the, to the natural mind, it was paving the way for the ultimate victory and triumph. Because Colossians tells us that when he rose from the dead, he triumphed, amen, and he disarmed principalities and powers, and he triumphed over them in it. He overcame, hallelujah. And he won a decisive victory. He gained the victory. And so then he sat down at the right hand of God. So Jesus was an overcomer. That's what we can conclude. And so it's in light of the fact that he has overcome, that he is now calling us as his church, us as his people to likewise overcome. And so again, how do we live the overcoming life? What are some keys, if you want to call it, or principles that we can 
consider, and I, that brings me to what the main one I want to focus on, which is faith. Faith is the key to victory. The just shall live by faith. Faith is that, amen, without which the Bible says it is impossible to, clip, to please God. And really Hebrews, for all of its various teachings, makes a major emphasis on faith. And uh, it talks about it. And really, when you talk about Hebrews chapter 11, and we talk about the heroes of faith, really we're dealing with a chapter of people that relate to the Old Testament. And really we're dealing with a list, an exhaustive list, and not a complete even, but an exhaustive, of those that were overcomers to him who overcome. We're dealing with people that who are suffering faced adversity, were persecuted. The Bible says, as we'll read, they were destitute, they were afflicted, they were tormented, and yet they overcame. So I want you to turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11, and we want to look specifically at verse 33. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 33, I'll read it because it gives us a picture of what we're dealing with. And by faith, they were overcomers. So in verse 33, it says, who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to fight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still others had trial of mockings, of scourgings, yet, uh, yes, and of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains, in dens and caves of the earth. And all these having obtained a good testimony through faith, or in other words, they overcame through faith and did not yet, or did not receive the promise as yet, God having provided something better for us that they should not be made perfect apart from us. Now think about that. When you read that, the picture is, is one of, of things really that we can't relate to of really of circumstances that we can't identify with. We can read it and we can, we can meditate upon it to understand the complexity of the suffering and, and what they went through. And yet they refused to, for, uh, they denied themselves deliverance. They subjected themselves, uh, but in doing so, amen, they triumphed. Outwardly, they lost their lives, but that, uh, that's, that, that's not, uh, that you don't lose anything in that. That is an absolute triumph, uh, especially when it's in faith. Uh, and so they overcame, amen, because they, they did not love their lives unto the death, as we see in Revelation. They overcame by the blood of the Lamb, the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives unto death. And so we see here a great testimony, and we consider them that have gone before us. But not only that, we, uh, if you were to read on into chapter 12, the Bible says, consider him. It's referring to Jesus in verse uh, 1 and 2. And it says, consider him. And in verse 3, it says, lest you become discouraged. Yes, you become weary and discouraged in your souls. Meaning that, yes, we're, we're in a battle. 
We feel the effects of the battle. We feel at times weary. We hear in our midst of our own struggles. And yet, even in the midst of that, the scripture is telling us to look at those that have gone before us and to consider Jesus. Because he endured such hostility. What he endured is nothing compared to what we have endured. And so, therefore, there's no reason to complain. In other words, we are expected to be an overcomer. And so, that is what we see there in the book of Hebrews. I want to look secondly here at the life of Paul the Apostle because Paul the Apostle was an overcomer. And uh, we find at the end of his life, you can actually turn to 2 Timothy and in chapter 4, and we, we know that his whole life, he battled and he endured and he fought and he pressed on uh, to, to do the will of God in all circumstances in the midst of all persecution and suffering and the beatings and the whippings and all that he endured for the cause of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's interesting because at the end of his life, Paul was in prison and he lost his freedom there in Rome under Nero. And, uh, and as, he, as uh, in, during that time, he understood that his time was coming to an end and history tells us that Paul himself was beheaded. But listen to his final words when he writes to Timothy to encourage him. And in his, in his second epistle, he says in verse chapter 4, verse 6, he says, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge will give me on that day. And not to me only, but to all who have loved his appearing. Paul was an overcomer. Hallelujah. His words capture for us at the end of his life. These are words, not of one who's complaining, not of one who's reflecting and woe is me but one who's considered himself to be a faithful servant and the privilege of serving our Lord Jesus Christ. I've poured out my life and he says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I've kept the faith. Those words, again, they point to this aspect of being an overcomer. Meaning I, he gained the victory. It doesn't matter what he had faced, what he had to endure, what he went through. He kept the faith he fought the good fight he finished his race he was an overcomer and this is to encourage us and to show us amen as an example again of that which we too and that followed by a promise even here in, uh, that relates to the crown of righteousness that awaits but let's look uh, and consider secondly the issue of the world that we had spoken of what does the bible say what is it that overcomes the world? Turn with me to 1 John chapter 5, verse 4 and 5. Again, familiar portion of scripture. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcome, that has overcome the world, our faith. Our faith is what causes us to overcome. 
It is clear. He who overcomes the world. Sorry, who is it? Who is he who overcomes the world? Verse 5. But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. A, 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 an assurance of faith in whom, in whom we have believed and in whom we trust, Jesus himself, unshakable. And so when it comes to the world, it doesn't matter what goes on around us. The whole system can collapse. We could lose everything. Who knows? But let's say it, 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 it's, not, it's not beyond uh, possibility. And yet at the end of the day, we overcome the world because we believe in Jesus Christ. It's as simple as that. And so our faith is what, that which causes us to overcome. And every born, everyone born of God overcomes the world. That's what the scripture tells us. So in saying all of that so far, I've made a emphasis, a lot of emphasis on the, uh, on the aspect of man's responsibility. But now I want to draw our attention to the issue of God's sovereignty in all of this this morning, because sometimes you can hear all this and you can say, oh, gosh, well, I, I, you know, I'm not living this life. I, it, it's, it, this is not really reflective of where I'm at, although I should be. How can I do this? I just feel as though in myself I can't. That's okay, because they're fair words. They're correct words. And that's why I want to show you how we can fulfill that which is required of us and uh, how that comes down to God's grace and God's power and God's sovereignty at work in our lives. You see, we talk about our faith. We talk about the faith that overcomes. And we've looked at Hebrews 11. We made emphasis of consider them and consider Jesus. But what does it say? It says, uh, it says in verse 2 uh, that Jesus is the author and finisher of our faith. And so it's important to understand that we're not alone. It's just, you know, when we talk about faith, it's just not something that's uh, dependent upon uh, us and our strength and our ability, but rather we find that we have one that is uh, uh, working in us and who works in us and he has begun a work and he will complete the work. And the Bible says that he is the author of our faith. He is the finisher of our faith. And so in the midst of this struggle, in the midst of the battle, we have one that is working on our behalf. Amen. And he will cause us to gain victory and to live into that victory. And that's why it says looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And so in this sense, we find that there is God's, God's power. But I want to identify it again in the life of Paul, the apostle. Maybe you can go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And I want to draw your attention here because here's Paul the Apostle. At the end of his life, he talks about having gained the, the victory. He talks about being an overcomer. But see, when you study his life a little bit further, you begin to identify some of the realities and the struggles of his own life. And so though he, he in, when he writes to the Corinthians, he's talking about um, his sufferings that he had to, has had to endure and he's boasting in his sufferings for Christ. Why is he doing that? It's found in chapter 12 and uh, here he makes reference to what he refers to as the thorn in the flesh. But look at verse number seven of, uh, of second Corinthians chapter 12. It says, and I, unless I should be exalted above measure, by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh 
was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, Paul says, I most gladly, I, uh, therefore, most gladly, I would rather boast in my infirmities that the power of God, Christ, may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmity, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distress, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. See, see when we, so when you put uh, Paul's words of being an overcomer, I finished, I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I kept the faith. And you look at that, you be, uh, what we've just read, you begin to realize that it wasn't just dependent upon his uh, power or willingness, but rather one who brought Paul to the end of himself to a point of absolute weakness and then taught him the greatest lesson. He says, my grace is sufficient. And it's through my power, uh, my power is made perfect in your weakness. And Paul understood that. And he realized that he had one at work in him. And it was working through him to the glory of God. And it was the power of God. And Paul understood that. And so it's this power, amen, that we ourselves are tapping into. For example, in, you don't have to go there, but in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, Paul writes and he says, uh, he thanks God. Uh, he says, thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. Now, note that it's God who leads us in triumph. It's not something that, uh, it's, that is dependent in and of ourselves. It's God who leads us in triumph. And he says these words, always leads us in triumph. Note that, meaning that eventually, even though you might feel as though you're on the back foot, even though you may have taken a few blows, even though you may feel as though you're on the canvas, the Bible says that God will cause us to triumph. And that is that he will cause us to gain a decisive victory and he will cause us, amen, to be an overcomer in the circumstances that we face. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. In the book of Zechariah, you know, uh, there's the famous scripture that gets uh, quoted so constantly. In chapter 4, verse 6, where God speaks to Zechariah and uh, he says these words, It's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord. And so when we talk about being an overcomer, we realize that though there is an expectation on our part and there's a responsibility on our part, we are dealing with a power, a grace that comes from God that enables us to do what we are being commanded to do by God. And this is important for us to realize. John the Apostle, he understood it. He, even in 1 John chapter 4, verse 4, listen to what he says. He says, you are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Because why? He who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. I mean, it's silent where I am, but I trust that you're all shouting amen because you can't hear these scriptures. You can't read these without getting excited. You can't read this without realizing, amen, that greater is he who is in me than he that is in the world. And so that's why we overcome. 
That's why we can be more than conquerors through him who loved us. And so the truth cannot be clearer. What did Paul say again in Romans? If God is for us, who can be against us? In other words, we win. We will gain the victory. We will be an overcomer. Hallelujah. Through God. Now, in saying all of that this morning, and having spoken what I have, I want to illustrate what I've what I've spoken of so far through an Old Testament um, uh, story uh, that deals with God's sovereignty and man's responsibility. And I think that the story that we're going to look at, uh, it, it, it basically typifies everything that I've said up until this point. And I want to show you that as we consider it, but it's an illustration and it's the Bible itself that teaches us and reinforces these glorious truths that we are considering. And it has to do with the book of Joshua. So maybe you can turn to Joshua chapter one. We'll get to it in just a moment. But there we understand that Joshua has been called by God and he's been called by God to lead the nation of Israel who has been under, under the hand of Moses has come out of Egypt. They've gone through the Red Sea. They've gone through the wilderness. If you know the story, you'll know that, um, that, uh, that the, the generation that came out was not going to enter that promised land because they didn't believe God. They, uh, because of their unbelief, God brought about a judgment upon them. And so they dwelt for 40 years in the wilderness. And now that generation had died off except for two people who were going to enter the promised land out of that generation. And it was Joshua and Caleb. And just before we look at that, I, I, I think I can just point out quickly without going into too much detail. But when you look at Joshua and Caleb, you get a picture of exactly what I'm talking about when we talk about God and men. Uh, Joshua in Hebrew is, is where we get the word salvation, Jesus. With the being, uh, that's Joshua. And so that represents God's part. But when you look at the name Caleb, and I know people will be quick, some will say it means a dog and, and it, it has reference to that. But the greater truth to draw out of, the, out of this, if you study the word, it actually means uh, um, to be forcible, to attack. And so think about it. When you talk about Caleb and Joshua or Joshua and Caleb, the two that brought the children of Israel into the promised land, you have two types, Joshua being a type of Christ and Caleb being type of man. And you can't have one without the other. You must have them. There's the sovereignty of God that is in Joshua and there's the responsibility of men that is typified within Caleb. And again, I don't want to dwell on that. I just want to note it. But I want to look here at what God is speaking to Joshua and what is going on here. Now, remember, Joshua is leading them into the promised land. He is going to cause them to overcome those nations and those people that are dwelling in that land, in the land of Canaan. And so Joshua is facing a huge responsibility. He's been called by God and he's been called to be an overcomer. So let's pick this up and relate firstly to that which relates to him in his responsibility. So look at chapter one. Let's go to verse number seven. God speaks to Joshua and he says to him, only be strong and very courageous. 
that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. Now notice he says, Joshua, be strong and be courageous. This is his responsibility. This relates to him. And that word strong, it means in the, in the Hebrew, it means to fasten upon, to seize, to be strong. And so we are called by God to, to have this type of a, uh, a disposition and this attitude of heart to be strong and to be courageous. And that word courageous means to, uh, to be alert, to fortify, to harden, to increase. And in other words, that is to have a bit of backbone, be courageous in the midst of the, of the realities of what you're dealing with and what you are facing. And I thought about that. And, you know, let's be honest. I think we can, at times, uh, we, we do need to toughen up. Amen. We need to toughen up uh, uh, because we're so often can grow weary. We can so often fall into self-pity and we can be overcome by doubts. And uh, if we dwell in these things for too long, uh, that becomes uh, unhealthy to the soul. But yet we are called in the same way as Joshua is, be strong and very courageous. Now go to verse 9. He says, again, he reiterates, Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And so here is God again saying to Joshua, be strong and, of, and courageous. And he says to him, do not be afraid. And this was uh, what uh, Brother Morris last week was uh, highlighting uh, as he was uh, teaching some things. And that is that we are to be fearless, regardless of whatever it is that's going on around us. We are to have a disposition. Do not be afraid. Do not fear is the constant reiteration of scripture. And that word dismayed. Uh, here in the Hebrew, it's interesting because it means to prostate, to break down. And so don't be dismayed. Don't break down under the circumstances. Don't internally collapse. Rather, we are to go. The Bible says the just shall live by faith. And in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. Our faith should be getting stronger. And it's only the trials of life that reveal many a times just where our faith is. And if we break down in the day of adversity, then what strength do we have? You see, we have to have faith. And it's out through that faith and trust, amen, that we, we lock into the provisions that God has for us. And so, you know, when you look at the children of Israel, sadly, we, we see that a whole generation died in the wilderness. And uh, Christians, we are not to be overcome. We are to be overcomers. Hallelujah. And the Bible says in verse 9 that uh, God says to Joshua, the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Now, let me ask you this question. This is as I come to a conclusion this morning. Did or how did Joshua overcome? I mean, he, he's being called by God to be an overcomer. It's clear. And he has an attitude of an overcomer. He's ready to take up the sword. He's, he's marching forward. He says, let's go, let's go. But you see, as I said to you, though we're called to be overcomers, we must realize where our strength lies, as Paul the Apostle learned. It does not lie within ourselves. 
And so I want you to turn to chapter five because Joshua has an interesting experience. And so, you know, you could say in a certain sense, Joshua has gotten ahead of himself. He's, 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 he's all revved up. He's, his faith is strong. He's ready to rock and roll, so to speak. He's ready to take the land. He's ready to overcome. But something happens here that teaches Joshua a great lesson and the one that he would not be forget and one that he would fully understand. And it's a lesson too that we must put into perspective when we consider the call to be overcomers. So look at verse 13. The Bible says, And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, a man stood opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, are you for us or for our adversary? And so he said, no, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worship and said to him, what does my Lord say to his servant? Then the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, take your sandals off your foot. For the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. See, in other words, what we're having here is God is saying to Joshua, don't be deceived. Don't be mistaken. Don't think that all this rests upon you, Joshua. I've called you to do, and I've called you to a certain disposition. I've called you to a certain attitude. But he says, remember this. And what you have here is a, uh, what would we consider as a Christophany, a manifestation of Christ in the Old Testament, the commander of the Lord's army. And the Bible says that Joshua prostrated himself, not because he was fearful of the circumstances, because he feared God, amen. And in doing so, he understood and he humbled himself under the commander of the Lord's army because he realized, uh, Joshua, you're not in charge. This doesn't depend upon you, Joshua. This is, this is going to come. You're going to be an overcomer. We're going to conquer and we're going to gain a victory in the promised land through my power. I'm the leader. And Joshua found his place. And note carefully, it says that, he, uh, that uh, God said to him, the commander said, take your sandals off your foot. For the place where you stand is holy ground. In other words, we're not walking in our own strength, church. When we read the words of Jesus in the book of the Revelation to him who overcomes, God is not saying somehow I'm going, uh, this is what I expect from you. And he just leaves us to ourselves, but rather uh, because really the reality is in and of ourselves, we can't, but you see, when we tap into the power of God, the grace of God, the sovereignty of God, and we realize that God is for us and God is the one that causes us to, to triumph and to live this life, then I tell you this, it doesn't matter what we endure, what we are faced with, we are overcomers in Christ Jesus. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. We gain the victory. doesn't matter if you say, but I feel defeated. Well, that doesn't matter. We're not finished with the battle yet. We've still got to take the revelation of what I've shared this morning and apply it to your life and begin to trust God, believe God and get up. Amen. And begin to advance knowing that you are an overcomer in Christ Jesus. And so it's in light of that 
that I pray that I have presented to you this morning a clear understanding of men's responsibility in God's sovereignty in relation to what it means to be an overcomer. And notice, as I conclude, in chapter 3, verse 21 of the book of Revelation, Jesus says, To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne. That's the promise. And I want to close with one last scripture. And it's in Hebrews again, chapter 6. But it's, a, it's an appropriate scripture. In verse 11, it says these words, And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full of full assurance of hope until the end to, to the end church that you do not become sluggish that word sluggish means lazy apathetic don't become sluggish in the midst of the battle but rather imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises or in other words our overcomers and i pray the lord bless us this morning as we have received his word and may god help us to to fulfill that which he has called us to do to him who overcomes let's pray father we just thank you this morning for the word of god for the revelation that there god it contains the truths that it teaches us lord help us not only to understand to make an application of these things in our lives that we we would walk in your power in your grace knowing that greater is he who is in me than he that is in the world so i pray this morning strengthen your people lord in the midst of the battle cause them to get the victory god cause them to be an overcomer in christ jesus this I pray in your name. Amen. God bless you all this morning. Me to victory.